Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Scrapyard. I'm your host, Nathan Mulepolder, joined here by Taylor. Oi! And Xavier. Steph Curry returns in a few days, and I have never been happier in my life. I've never been happier to talk about the Overwatch League, which is what we're talking about today. Specifically, we're going to be talking about week three of the Overwatch League, catching up with some of the Atlantic teams, and talking about all the cancellations and how they've affected the Pacific teams. Before we get into that, I wanted to remind you guys that you can, of course, follow us on social media, on Twitter or Instagram, at Scrapyard Media. Find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now. And if you happen not to be listening on YouTube, you can make sure to go and check that out to find our short clips we upload semi-often. I don't know how to describe when we upload. When we get good ideas. Yeah, when we get good ideas. Roll intro. You come from a land down under. Okay, let's hop right in with the bad but good news. It, it depends on how you want to look at it. So there are more cancellations. The Seoul homestand has been canceled. So no Pacific teams are officially set to play until week eight. And that's the uh, San Francisco shock homestand. Yes. And that's only the LA teams and Dallas and Vancouver, I think, plays that week. Vancouver but none of the Chinese Dallas, teams. Yeah. Yes, so no teams from Asia will be playing until week 9 in Dallas, and Shanghai won't be playing until week 10. Which is a long Yeah, time. that's a long time. That's a long time. I mean, if if you're like Dale Carnegie, this is really bad news, because, you know, money over everything. But if you're like a normal human being, this, this is, is good news. Yeah, this is good news. Because at least the league understands that, you know, coronavirus outbreak is significantly more important than dudes playing Overwatch. Yeah. Um, I think the biggest issue with all of this is, one, I don't know, man, I just, I miss the Pacific teams. I They're, love watching them. I, I miss, because I got a taste of San Francisco, Dallas, Vancouver, all mm -hmm. those, like, teases at the Dallas homestand, and then it's like, literally, the Chinese teams have some of the most interesting players. We won't see Fleta until week 10. We won't see any of the Chengdu. We won't see how Spark has improved since the uh, Shanghai tournament thing that they did in this, like, off-season. All these teams that we were, like, super... People that we've we've probably talked up on this podcast more than you would think is deserved, we won't get to see to play for a long time. Yeah. And we that spent, sucks. Yeah, this is a... I don't know, this really hurts because the Atlantic teams are cool, but it... It's very clear when you look at this schedule that we're in the part of the, you know, kind of season where a lot of these homestands were supposed to be accompanied by homestands also happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, this week felt empty because we just had the games in Washington. But there were supposed to be games in, I think, Guangzhou or, or you know, in one of the Asian yes. regions. There was supposed to be games also. So we were supposed to get twice as many Overwatch games. And that's how it's supposed to be for the next several weeks. Mm -hmm. And it hurts because now we're watching games. It's like, all right, two games and then we're done. Or four games and then we're done. And it doesn't feel complete. And none of these, the games that we're watching and the games that we're going to recap don't feel 100% complete because we don't have the rest of the picture to kind of put everything to perspective. Right. We can't put Washington or... Uh, London or Philadelphia even into proper perspective because half the team, ha half the league hasn't played. 
And some of the best teams in the league, Vancouver and San Francisco, have played once or twice. Yeah. They've barely played. And so it really hurts the ability to gain a proper perspective on what we're watching. And it also just hurts, like, the league being enjoyable because I firmly believe the most fun teams are in the Pacific. We have Mm -hmm. the reigning champs. We have Vancouver. We have all the Chinese teams, which are just the most exciting teams in the league. We have Seoul with Profit. Um, Atlanta, even. They're Atlantic, but they haven't played yet. They're playing this coming week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we're missing Atlanta, who everybody was hyped with at the end of the last season. So we're missing a lot of star power early in the season. Yeah. And you're really starting to feel that because the league is starting to kind of find their stars, but you know... Yeah, you know where your bread's buttered. You got your Sinatras, you got your, you know, Haxels. touched on this last week where it's like, it feels very much like the inaugural season. Where you just have these four teams that seem to keep playing over and over again. You're just like, okay. I know how good and bad they are. It's, I already know. And then the teams that we expect to be bad, such as Florida Mayhem, even them have, even they have bigger breaks in between the times so it's like i still can't put into perspective whether or not london is good i can't put into perspective whether or not san francisco just had a bad weekend that time against dallas or is dallas even going to stand up or valiant going to stand up to these teams like obviously the gladiators are still fake but it's just those kind of things where it's like i can't confidently say i know how good these teams are like, oh, wow, Philly beat NYXL, but we've seen that happen before. We know that there is a, a time where Philly just plays all their cards right. That's mm. how they got into the inaugural season playoffs and, like, championships. So I can't sit here and, ca- con- like, convincingly say Philly is the best team right now because... Okay, so their map score shows it, but half the teams haven't played. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow, they've won four games, but Vancouver has played only one game. San Francisco has only played one game. So I always think, like, when you do when you do kind of make declarations at this point in the season because we are in such weird circumstances, and, you know, we're going to say Philly's the best team in the league right now, it's very much you need to understand the context of what being the best team is. Yeah, they're the It means best. being the best Atlantic team. Yeah. They're the best team that's playing right yeah. now. Yeah, and that's important. You know, if, if we're looking at, you know, these dudes got to play. And so we have to talk about what's happening. Um, I just really hope, because as you said, you know, we're not seeing any Pacific representation until week eight. And then we're not seeing any Asian representation until the week after. So I really hope the league figures out what to do with these lost games. Because um, clearly they're not going to be happening in Korea anymore as makeup matches. Um, I'm sure it's a logistical nightmare to maybe add some of these games to the existing Atlantic homestands that are already happening. Bolster mm-hmm. that, you know, some of these homestands only have two games that weekend. Or like, two games on Saturday. San maybe Francisco you, is like that. Yeah, maybe you can bring some other games into the fold, but that, you know, that's venue costs and all that. So it's very difficult. And also... You don't want to be in a position where you're trying to make these dudes play like six games in a week just to catch up. Mm-hmm. So maybe they have to delay the end of the season, it, which is super, you know, that's yeah. really hard to stomach. It's kind of like, damn, wish they would have held on to Blizzard Arena for like a month. Yeah. Because yeah. it would have 
solved a lot of problems. Yeah, but you can't, you know, predict a fucking <laughs> virus, virus outbreak. Yeah. yeah. Fucking um, third plague. Like, yeah, but it, it's a... Every 20. Yeah, so it's a rough go for the league. But at least these Atlantic teams are at least giving us something to watch, and they're providing, like, actual good conversation pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Philadelphia is a great story, but, uh, I mean, March is going to be all Atlantic, pretty basically, until we get some word that things are going to change. But March is... Basically all Atlantic teams until the very last two days of March. Yeah, it's if I remember, Pacific Heavy Games came in like in July, when Vancouver, I believe it's July fourth, Vancouver has their rematch against Shock. So, yeah, it's looking at a bunch of these homestands. It's like, oh well, now we're just twiddling our thumbs because it felt like the first month was going to be Atlantic, with the Pacific as kind of like their backup because like. Some of the matches were kind of... Thinking back to the first day, the Dallas game, it was okay. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like the greatest matchups of all time. And then the second month seemed like it was going to be very Pacific heavy. And let, you know, the uh, the Asian circuit kind of do their thing. And then have like the Pacific. And then the East Coast was going to have kind of those like filler games. And then switch off every kind of couple of months. Because obviously... Thinking of it right now, it's like Philly and New York is a great game. It's a fantastic game. But then, you know, it was supposed to seem, it seemed like it was supposed to switch off more evenly. And then, again, you can't predict that something like this was going to happen. Yeah. So it's like, all right, whatever, you know, things happen. But now it's trying to find that equilibrium again. Yeah. You got to make, yeah, at least try and keep the Pacific teams in the conversation in March, whether you're trying to do some makeup matches or something. You do need to keep them in the fold because you don't want to be into the league and suddenly you're sitting there wondering, damn, are people forgetting about San Francisco, the reigning <laughs> champs? Yeah. Like, then you get in a weird position. And you don't sure. want and you don't want it to get to a point where you're also sitting there and, like, all the fans from the Chinese teams, from Seoul and all that are sitting here like, this is an unfair going into the halfway point of the season where no there's these tournaments. Yeah. Because... Our team is already several weeks behind. Like, we, they have, they're going to be talked shit on because even if they're great, they're going to be talked shit on because all the Atlantic teams have gotten to play. Philly's gotten to play four more games than Shanghai, so of course Shanghai's going to get shit on because, they, like, no matter how good they are, they're going to be like, well, the map differential is blah 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 yeah. blah. I think people are mm-hmm. smarter than that. I mean, yes, but it's going to come down to like. I'm sure they'll find a way to kind of, like, even out. Especially with, like, playoff seating. Um, they're going to find a way to do that. And I, I, I really see, like, next week or the week after they're going to announce something and to try and make up these matches or, like, a schedule. Because clearly the league is, like, fucking working triple overtime to try and figure this out. Uh, but... I don't know. Things actually happened this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, Washington Justice had a homestand. Uh, the first of five. There are five homestands up in this mug, so that's a lot. But first one out, Washington Justice brought in some some fun teams, some fun matchups. But I don't know, what did you think of the Washington homestand vibe compared to Dallas and then, uh, where was New it? New York. Yeah, New York. And then there was also Philly last week. Yeah, so like, how does Washington rank among 
the vibes. So, I feel like New York, like, and no offense to New York, their crowd was a little bunk. Like, they had the energy when it came to New York, but it was very meh throughout, in a, in a way. For, like, the opening game, the first one I had to watch, I was like, oh, New York's energy is nowhere near as passionate as Dallas. Mm -hmm. But then again, everything's bigger in Texas. So, I get that. Philly's crowd left me saying, this is how homestand should look. Mm -hmm. Washington's vibe was rancid. (laughs) And I don't mean that, like, there wasn't enough, but it just seemed like you go to a competition or a show and, like, no one's getting the jokes or no one's getting the concept of what's going on and they're just kind of like, we want Washington. But not really. Yeah. And then it seemed like there was plenty of Washington Justice fans, but the fact that there were so many Houston Outlaws fans at this particular homestand... You know, it got me thinking, like, last week how we talked about it, it was, like, only a two-hour flight and stuff. Sure, but you would expect there to be more turnout for all of them because, especially Washington, we had New York again, so you'd expect some New York people to come, Philly people to come, mm-hmm. no Paris people. But I think this homestand is where a lot of the we're trying to do what Philly did, but fail. Because they had... It was the first time where I felt like they tried to bring back the Bren joke and the Bren humor. But not like Bren himself doing it. Because I remember watching the... Uh, the Washington-London game. And they made the whole... We're America. Fuck your tea. <laughs> and I was like, this is... Like, it's funny, but also it's not funny because it was just done poorly and i thought that was weird and then they also had like a circus act going on before they walk out and then they had this big patriot head which is like i mean obviously washington justice it makes sense but it was just like there was a lot of there was a lot of too much and that to me as a person who's watching it not in the crowd maybe came off a little too gaudy And then the crowd itself just wasn't behind them as much as I would expect a home crowd to be. So I disagree. I thought the crowd was dope. I mean, what what the fuck were they supposed to do when Washington gets full held on Dorado? Like, yeah, Yeah. the crowd's going to feel like shit. That is. I thought the crowd was cool just because, you know, for the Boston Houston match, marathon, greatest game of all time that we'll talk about. They got into it. They got into chanting for Jerry. They got into the entire story of the match. When Washington came out, they were into Washington. But fucking when Washington shits the bed, the crowd's going to suddenly be deflated. And one, I don't think they did a great job miking the crowd because the crowd did feel energetic. But I enjoyed... It didn't feel like it came out as much as I would want it to. Like... But that's just like... When they showed the, the crowd after plays, I was like, they're into it. But they didn't sound. I mean, it's also a big ass arena, but it's not big in the sense of Allen Event Center when Dallas, you know, had their homestand last year, where it's packed and it feels like huge or whatever. There, Mm -hmm. there's, there was a lot of 
space in yes. the Washington Justice Arena, um, just by how it's set up or whatever. So it did feel emptier, but it wasn't like a small crowd. And no. So I think it's just, you know, weird with the acoustics and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's just going to happen with any arena. I mean, when the shock home stay is in Berkeley, the acoustics are going to be absurd because it's in a, a goddamn concert hall. Yeah. yeah. But in this, it didn't feel like it was in a place that was conducive to, you know, sound bouncing off of every surface in the arena. Uh, and also, you could just tell they cared because when Washington got dumpstered, there was a, there was a genuine sense of, oh, well, it's over now. And I, I enjoyed that. I, okay. I enjoyed seeing a crowd get their heart ripped out. I that think, had some hope, you know? I, I do think that, okay, I... Let me let me rewind. Let me take something back. I do agree with that because when we did watch Dallas get shat on, the crowd didn't have that. Like I don't know, maybe it just didn't feel. Because like... it wasn't as bad as anything Dallas has done. What what? <laughs> what, what could... I mean, we'll talk. No, about... no, no, no. I totally no. agree. But I'm like, okay, yeah, because Washington went out of this last what season so hot, so and then <laughs> what happened is so heart-wrenching and you yeah i guess you could totally feel the moment where it was like damn in the crowd yeah. so i will agree with you on that but the crowd bought into all the matches they, yeah they were clearly into it um i do like that they were the only crowd that booed for every single fucking out of t- like city yeah. team i appreciate that, that. i'm down that with that funny i i enjoyed that i i fuck, I fuck with that but yeah no i guess so but i mean like we we're talking about earlier Philly's just still rolling, still the best team playing in the league right now. They defeated New York 3-1 to and Toronto 3-2, to so by less of a margin than they have been winning. Yeah. I mean, you know, Toronto's dope, but Philly, I think the thing with Philly this weekend is we see, I feel like the first, like the first couple Philly games, it was like, damn, good job, but the teams you play kind of suck, let's be real. Yeah. Then this week... It felt a lot more real. Now I feel somewhat comfortable being like, oh yeah, Philly's the best team in the league right now. Because you go in, you beat New York, who is ostensibly the second best team right now. Mm -hmm. And you beat Toronto, who is going to be a playoff team probably. Mm -hmm. Toronto is super good, and I think, you know, by week 10, 11, they are going to be astronomically better than they are now. Mm -hmm. So Philly beat two really good opponents, and it's not just that they beat them. It's how they beat them, because they made New York look... It was a close-ish game. Like, it was a close 3-1. But in the top, but it did feel inevitable. It felt like each team fight, you're thinking, Philly's going to win this. It only depends on how they're going to get How there. long, yeah. yeah. How yeah. it's going to happen. And Philly is firing on all cylinders. Uh, Carpe is back to the Carpe... We knew him as. ...that everybody knows him has, because one bad season... In a meadow where you're playing Zarya doesn't suddenly make you a bad player. Yeah, it's just it's true. (laughs) And so very true. Now that Carpe is getting to play Carpe things, he's incredible. And Ivy is cementing himself as one of the best maze in the league. And I think Ivy, alongside Sato and Poco, have been an intricate part of this team because Ivy is just outplaying every other May. He outplayed Who Are You, who is barely a May player. And and he's just been out playing, you know, consistently other Mays. And it's clear that this team has a really strong sense of strategy in the meta and what works. Mm -hmm. And I like that. And yet again, Poco has been 
Really good. Like yeah. Poco, you surprisingly know, I, I talk well. shit about Poco. Surprisingly good. But it's for... it, yeah, it's like damn, you don't need it's the it's the Fury striker thing. Like Fury doesn't need to come in until they need him to come in. Yeah. Cuz Poco is doing perfectly fine. And I I'm just I've been surprised by Poco. I I don't know. I I underrated Poco a little bit too much, I feel like. Uh, yeah. Last maybe, season. Maybe maybe a little bit. Yeah. But uh, I do think that watching the Philly NYXL game, it's just like watching it when they won in the inaugural season to get in. It was just New York played way too passive. Yeah. I mean, New York doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Yeah. Because they're trying to be aggressive, but it's clear they don't have their aggression, DNA in them. Yeah, their now. aggression is so much, so not like, let me face this wall and break through it. It's like, we hit the wall, we bounced off, Oh fuck! The wall is coming at us. It's frenetic energy. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, with Vancouver, there's a controlled level of aggression where things are chaotic, but you feel like Vancouver has a sense of what's going on. But with New York, they're trying to be aggressive, and I commend them for that because that was a big issue with them last season. Yes, it's too very passive. Much they get that. ran I, over. I mean, we I talked about talked that about plenty that a lot. Yeah. yeah, and so now they're trying to be aggressive, but it's early in the season, so they don't know how to be aggressive. You see, Hotba like flying around chasing dragons and like the rest of the team is dying you you know you see mono just charging and it's like dude what are you doing but he doesn't have the backup there and hasn't been a click yet yeah. yeah these all are all different totally different personalities that came from totally different teams and now are like oh i can't play that style but i haven't realized i can't play that style yeah, because you know hop the only real new addition but you know who are you as playing something he's not that good at playing right now mm -hmm. and hotba is playing with that crazy guangzhou charge aggression but without the rest of his team being on the same page yeah and so i think people kind of talking bad about new york because of their performance against philly is not fair because i right. think new york's playing the long game by week 11 they're gonna have this aggression thing down hopefully. yes for sure and it'll all kind of work out. But Philly, I mean... It's just getting the supports to be less aggressive. And if they're going to be aggressive, to move in with Hotba. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Because that's, I think, if Hotba and Jonak and... Yeah, like, Jonak kept dying first. And yeah, it's clear they, that he's not if getting they the all, help. If they all moved in together, that would have probably been a better matchup with Philly. But, I don't know. You can only watch certain people die first so many times. And then you're like... Guys, really? And, you know. and there was a stat where New York didn't win a single team fight where they lost a player first. And typically, they're the best team at winning team fights when they lose a player. Mm -hmm. So it's clear. I think that stat shows, one, New York is really figuring things out right now. For sure. But they're still better than everybody. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's, yeah, let's calm was... down. They're still beating the bad teams and the average teams that they need to. <laughs> but I think it also shows Philly is just so dialed in that when they got a pick on Jonak, mostly Jonak, uh, they were able to capitalize on these small openings. And that just goes to show how good of a team they are. Yeah, um, for sure. Even bringing in new players. I mean, we'll talk about them later, but uh, Funny Astro and Alarm are gods. They are so good. Yeah. It's not even funny. And, you know, speaking of gods... This team isn't one. No. Uh, Washington <laughs> had to go and disgrace America by losing to the Second Revolution and to the oppressors. Uh, 
Listen, Washington, you fucking failed our country. <laughs> like, all right, so no, here he goes. No, no, no. So here's ladies the thing. and gentlemen, so Deontay Wilder, uh, American heavyweight boxer, lost this weekend to British fighter Tyson Fury. Okay. Deontay Wilder came out and did this huge like black history thing, right? Like he's channeling the powers of like. Fred Hampton and Malcolm X and Madam C.J. Walker into his fists to defeat Tyson Fury. And he got humiliated. That's right. And to be completely honest, this is... Deontay Wilder's loss is like one of the greatest black tragedies since, you know, Martin Luther King cheated on Coretta. Like, these are genuine issues. And I think the Washington Justice losing to not only London, but Paris... In the same weekend, in the manner that they did, is one of the greatest American tragedies that we'll ever see. Because... In sports. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not qualify this. Because... I'm serious. So, Paris... I feel like Paris is an excusable loss. Because Paris is clearly a very good team, and I think that they are answering the question of whether or not they can stay afloat until Sparkle gets back. I think they're going to stay afloat until fucking Sparkle gets back. Okay. <laughs> they're, they're looking really nice. XC looks nice, and I think Hanbin coming in for No Smite drastically changed this team. Because Hanbin, okay, yeah. Hanbin is really good, mm -hmm. and XE is also very good. And the rest of their team just seems to work. Uh, Nico, shout out to Nico. We'll talk about him later, but his May was really impressive. And the rest of their team is impressive. But So you lose to Paris. You know what? Fine. Paris might be a playoff team. Then you go into the next day, and it's like, all right, Washington. You got London. London is a team full of people that don't exist. <laughs> they, right? They don't know who these guys <laughs> They're are. They're not even real people at this point. And so you play London, <laughs> who are basically just the a team of, like... American tragedy. Yeah. So you play against London, who are a team of dudes with, like, silhouettes as their Overwatch League profiles, because nobody knows them. And you, you start off nice, right? You start off nice. You start off... Winning the first map. Oh, all right, here we go. Winning the second map. Damn. Let's get this, you know? Oh, my God. Please like, don't say it again. I'll cry. I I, I can't. It's like the War of 18 don't talk about, all over again. Don't then, talk about Dorado like that. Then Dorado happens. Oh my God. Now, we can say one thing. Washington did break a record <laughs> on Dorado of, of moving the payload the tiniest amount. It was like point one. Yeah, it was like, a, it was like I think it was like, a couple meters, if that. They 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 got spawned. The payload out. sits here. The payload had to only move like this far. Yeah. <laughs> I, you can't see it, but I moved very little off the it, edge it, of the table. It moved the length of this room we're recording in, which is very small. So no, I think it literally had to roll from where Nathan is sitting to where the mic is. To where the yeah. mic is. It's very tiny distance. So Washington comes, gets Sad. completely boomed on Dorado, full held. And then they just break on the next map, which is Blizzard World. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn, y'all need to get it together. But he here's here's the fucked up part. They go to Lijong Tower, control, final map. It's time for Washington. Don't talk about no, no, no. It again. It's time for Washington to, to show the fuck out. Yeah, to 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 show that great American spirit, right? No, no. And here here's here's the craziest part. We see. The God Roar hit the shatter of his career. It's so to, good. To save the game. Roar almost became a legend that day. With one of the... Cr 
It was the greatest. It would have won a Scrappy Award. Dude, it was, they made a highlight of just the. It was incredible. Just the shatter. It's no, no, no. insane. But then you know what? You know what's fucked up about that? They still lost that map. Yeah. They st they still choked that away, and that's and that's also in the clip. That hurts. That hurts so bad. It it was a genuinely emotional moment for me because Washington. I I like what we all like Washington. I love. They're a very them. fun team, and to see them, I really we lose we know like that, that Stratus and Corey are bunk beds. To see Corey's buddies. yeah, to see Corey's face at the end of that game. One, the team was playing sick, which is something that you have to account for. They clearly were, like, drained after that match. But it really hurts because I expect a lot more from Washington. And I don't think this is the end for Washington, but it really does kind of ask these questions of, is Washington at this point just a Corey deadlift team? And if Corey can't, Deadlift the team, they don't go yeah. anywhere. Or, or are they better than the sum of their parts? Because they have good players. To be honest, I, I'm going to give my, my opinion before you go on. I don't think it's just a Corey Deadlift team. Because there was moments on Hanamura where I was like, Art can do this. The support line has this. They can just carry it as themselves. And there was a moment where I was like, that is that like San Francisco shock support line kind of attitude. Where it's like, I'm going to give my Nano, uh, not Nano, no, yeah. Yeah, Nano to to Ark. Ark's gonna go get some heads. Yeah, that, and was, he that did. was funny. And that, that was, was pretty impressive. I think it was just that thing where it's like, this is that young team where we had seen with San Francisco before, where it's like, oh my god, I can't believe that we just lost like, yeah, like that. How'd you lose this map? Yeah. Like where and then it just sat with him for the rest of the game, which we've seen before. We've seen we've called that out before. But I also think that this is that moment that Washington needed because this is what's just going to make them not just, like, fuck, we could have beat them. You know, like you or have said it, before, where... It stops complacency. Where you have yeah. been in a competition, you're like, I could have beat that guy. I don't even know why I lost. I shouldn't have lost that. And then you get pissed. Yeah, we'll and see. And then you get even. We'll see if Washington has the shock spirit or not. Because that that's a very... Has that shock mentality where they'll go and they'll lose a game and they'll lose bad. And the next time you see them, they're playing harder than they've ever played. Or if Washington's just going to crumble because of this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. we'll, we'll see if they, they have have the spirit of a warrior. And it's not like they were the only team that had like a rough break. And uh, I saw on Dante's story that them trying to fly into Washington, they got delayed, almost missed their flight, almost didn't even make it to the match. Their equipment got there like... Was like in Philly or some shit. When by the time they got to Washington, they're like, "Cool, are you? All of our luggage is delayed, so we can't even and start practicing." Sick, yeah. and everybody's sick. A lot was going on with Washington like, or uh, Houston. Houston. Yeah. So it's like, and they still gave us the greatest game of the weekend. So, you know, it's just at a certain point, you have to just kind of pull yourself up by your bootstraps and. Okay, it. boomer. Jesus. A Houston outlaw. You got Bloomberg over here. I'm sorry. God. <laughs> More like Bloomberg. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Just fucking shook the entire building, my bad. <laughs> but Houston and Boston. <laughs> the toilet bowl. The toilet bowl. The greatest game I've ever watched. Honestly. San Francisco Shock and Vancouver could never, never. do what they... Alright. I loved this game. <laughs> Like, a lot of people were kind of like, 
dunking on it as like, damn, this is bad Overwatch. But no, this was this was good this was peak video sports. games. This was like Washington Wizards versus Chicago Bulls on like a random Wednesday where both teams are garbage. You know they're not going anywhere. Comment if you got that reference. But they're putting up like, you know, Zach Levine's going for like 54 points. Bradley Beal's going for 58. It's this crazy high scoring triple overtime game. You're into it. And you know it means nothing at the end of the day. Like if you've heard either of those names, go on. <laughs> and so I loved it. I loved it was two teams really wanting to win this game. Mm-hmm. And they weren't, they were evenly matched. I thought this is the closest matchup I've yeah. seen of all time. They were evenly matched. I don't know of all time. Like, but, well, like, <laughs> but like, I'm, I'm saying like of all time so far. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Hit the bell icon if you know what sport he was talking about. Go on. Be like, <laughs> Sorry, I had, to, I had to make the fun. I had to finish the joke. And Sorry. so I enjoyed this game because I had a lot going for it. You had Houston constantly playing Blase on hit scan heroes and it not working and then they suddenly have him play doomfist and it's like (laughs) wait a minute dog yeah he's actually really good yeah you you have jerry look average on the first map and then suddenly become a god and you know kind of carry this team in moments that they really needed it you had two draws Mm -hmm. not just one but two first time in overwatch league history that is true you had a map seven that was two just dogs fighting. You had Mufin say fuck on the broadcast after the game. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, it, it just had everything, man. This game had everything that you needed. You had Houston looking like they've been through ten lifetimes after that. You had Dante looking just sick. He looked like an older, uh, an older, Dude, wiser. He aged. He, he aged that game. Benjamin <laughs> Muttoned the entire game. He, he, he did not. That's the, the wrong, wrong direction. Wrong, wrong direction, my bad. Jerry was getting. Jerry, listen. Jerry. Jerry is, turned Jerry out. Dude, Jerry's up there with like Sinatra, <laughs> Prophet. Like, this dude right now <laughs> is his fan favorite. And, and I love it because it's so organic. Just everybody likes him. And he doesn't suck, <laughs> which is the best part. Like, if he sucked, this would just kind of be, like, whatever. A good but, meme. Yeah, but, like, since he's actually good, good it's so much more fun. Yeah. <laughs> this game was everything I've ever wanted in just a random, meaningless Overwatch League game. Yeah, and especially after coming from Boston's first game in New York, like, on the first weekend where they got 3-0 by New York. Not fun. Which was not fun, and we didn't get to experience any of this, like, joy. And then Houston's bad games, Ugh. also bad games. Yeah. So finally seeing two teams where you're like, that's the matchup. <laughs> that's they, the one. They got this. Which is something we kind of talked about where we were like, Boston and Houston are going to be a fun game to watch. We were right. Like, there's nothing... How hard they fought. It was like they were trying to make it into the like championships. Yeah, like were, this was their this last was their playoffs. Game. Yeah, no, this, this was, was their grand it. finals, right? Like this was their grand finals. And I'm just like there's no need for you guys. I hope they never play this well for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> They'll just be even this, funnier. They they've 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 done it all in this what week yeah. three of the Overwatch League. But I still think that this is what because it also got the crowd behind them. Yeah the crowd's loving it. This is what when I'm like I want these things to happen at home stands. This is what I mean, and I I don't think it wouldn't have ha- like would have happened if it wasn't for that they had done three matches in the day. Yeah. Yes. Because all the way up until now, it's only been like two matches. 
and which leads me to sit here and think I'm like, the maybe. The was ready for more. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, maybe we Especially should do three matches in, like, games. Because, yeah. like, going into, like, the Pacific Division, the shock homestand, which is, like, what, the first time seeing them back in a while. It's like, well, they go against, we get Vancouver shitting on Dallas, San Francisco shitting on Valiant again. And then it's the next day, it's like... Two games, yeah. You know. Uh, Gladiators versus Valiant. And then San Francisco versus Dallas or something along those lines. Where it's just like... It's cool. Okay, but... But you want there's, there's nothing where it's like, I would love to just have a Chengdu versus Shanghai game in the middle of this. You know, like... Yeah. Something where it's like something crazy is going to happen and you're going to be like, now I'm ready for... San Francisco to wipe the floor with these people. And and you know what the best thing about the toilet bowl was? Alright, so you Go didn't get on. you didn't get to really experience I didn't the, you didn't get to fully experience the toilet bowl. But the fact that Bren and Sideshow <laughs> were commentating for that game was a match made in heaven. <laughs> they made this game so, so much, much more better. enjoyable. And I think they're some of the best casters like straight up because not I only love them as casters not let only, me just get that yeah. out of here i hate casters these are my favorite casters not only are they funny but you you kind of think of them as memes but sideshow is genuinely incredible at his job right oh, he, yeah. he's so knowledgeable and he's so good at like guiding a broadcast and bren also provides that and so they're able to take a game like this and just completely trash on it <laughs> and have so much fun at this awful overwatch game but also Make you feel invested. Make you care about these teams' journeys. And laugh along with you as we get another fucking draw. And it's like, this game is going seven maps. Like, what the fuck are we doing here? It was the what? It was after Hanamura where they were like... No, it was after the very first one. It was after Oasis yeah. where Bren was all like, You know, I made the joke that we were not... We were going to have a seven-game series today. <laughs> and he just and uh yeah it looks like we are and sideshow was just like please don't let it be a seven game series you could just see it in his face oh, to go get dinner he <laughs> want, classic man he was like, el classico amazing. that's what they called it el classico <laughs> the toilet bowl it was, el classico i i do think before we move on uh to kind of the next subject uh we don't have boston on the next segment but i do just want to like point out a few things about boston that i enjoyed i think I think Boston is going to win more games than we expect because they seem to be a really good team, you know, as a, as a team, not as an mm -hmm. individual. You know, they seem to really bond together. They don't have individual talent. And they understand, well, not that, yeah, that but, but they understand their roles. They understand the moment that they're in. And they're just dogs, man. And, and I liked it because they have one kind of star player, which is Myungbong. He was very good. Uh, some of his anti-needs were ridiculous. And mm -hmm. he had a lot of highlight moments. Jerry is a pretty good hit scan. I don't think he's, like, you know, gonna blow up, you know, Fleta or anything. But, like, you know, he's, 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 he's very good. Better than Blase. Um, and then just kind of the rest of the team seems to work. Like, Fusions has no ego. He didn't play. But he was like, shit, Axiom's better right now. Uh, Mufin got to come in, and he was just this injection of energy into this roster. Uh, Swimmer is, I thought he's getting better and better, uh, and he should be really good by, like, week 11. And so the Boston team just kind of got a little bit to them, and I think that they are going to catch some teams by surprise, because, yeah, they're not good. They're going to lose to the New Yorks, but I think, you know, a Paris, 
uh, a London. These mid-tier teams. Yeah, or Toronto fuck around and like spark take them like Spark perhaps. Spark take them lightly and Boston's going to shock you a little bit. And and I like that because Boston has some fight in them and they yeah. they feel scrappy. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like they're just going to roll over. They're going to try. They're going to make some plays and fuck up, but hey, they're going for it. They look very much like they did yeah. in the inaugural season, where it's all like, oh, that's a team to watch out for. Yeah, except, And it's about know. time. It's about damn time that they do that. Yeah. Because... Last year was rough. Yeah. yeah. It was depressing. This year, at least, but there's again, some fun things. I do blame most of last year, where you're looking at these teams that we've known for a, far longer, where it's like, you would have been good, especially now, first couple of weeks, seeing these teams that, especially the Atlantic Division, because we've seen these teams for far longer, where you're like... Oh, yeah, see, it was just goats being a shitty-ass meta. Yeah. But they were, like, bad at goats and too, too, too. Yeah, well, it's like, yeah. a shit. It's okay, Boston. We still love you here. Um, but shout-out shout out to Boston. They they gave us a game of all time. <laughs> Woo! It's, like, so early in the, the season. toilet bowl, shock Vancouver, pick any, and... <laughs> Shanghai rolling through everybody in not the- <laughs> yeah, but I would say Shanghai getting their first Personally. victory ever against Boston. This <laughs> 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 is so good, it's so good. Shout out to Boston though, man. They be giving with classics. <laughs> Today's episode will be fuck you, Boston. Yeah. Also, but also fuck yeah, Boston. And no, before we fuck you, Boston. <laughs> and before we move on from Boston, I just need to reiterate this again. Who the fuck let? Striker leave Boston and go to the San Francisco shop. <laughs> That's so unfair. See, Boston ties into every single one of the greatest games. Boston is so amazing. The the out of the players Boston has let go. That's like a playoff team. <laughs> <laughs> it's so stupid to me. Oh so my God. Be, you could probably make a playoff center out of out of people Boston has released. Next time, I, next right. time I do a draft, I'm gonna just Dra- just draft Boston's to, release. Yeah, that used to be on Boston because I'm like, oh, they're good. Because by the time that we come around to season four, poor Jerry's gonna be drafted, <laughs> taken off, and he's the best one they got going right now. So, yeah, that's gonna it's gonna be the original Boston. Boston would have managed to have the entirety of the like. Championship team of the San Francisco Shock, no, no. and so, would have dropped all of them. Here so here we go. Here we go. Bought <laughs> former Boston players. So in support, we can rock with Aim God and Kellex, <laughs> which which is a very good support duo, right? For Tank, for Tank, Note and Gamzu, <laughs> two very good players, and DPS. Shit. Let let's roll with. <laughs> Let's roll with Striker. We can throw Blase in there. We can throw Stellar in there. We can throw RCK as like a Sombra specialist. We can throw Mistakes, who was really good. Like, can someone that's send pl- this to Boston Dog, head coach, please? That's a playoff that's, team right there, homie. That's nine. And you have depth. And like, <laughs> you have depth. <laughs> what? So Somebody needs to let Boston know. Boston, you made a mistake. We sorry. We love oh, you. Oh, oh. Wait, uh, wait, wait. No, no, no. And head coach Krusty. Because Krusty was in Boston. <laughs> so those are ten. Those are ten names. That's a playoff team. Those that is an <laughs> entire playoff. Team. Those are ten names. I that said as a joke. I didn't realize I was right. Uh, those are ten names uh, that Boston should look over and say, "Damn." So <laughs> I don't even know. Like 
<laughs> How do we even talk about anything else after Boston? Yeah, that was the greatest. That was the greatest ever. But, There's, uh, there is other wanna, Atlantic if teams. If you want to draft a winning <laughs> team Overwatch for Overwatch team, League team. Just do the opposite of what Boston does. <laughs> Fuck. Okay. Or you could do what Philly is doing. <laughs> because so far they're 4-0 with a 12-4 map record. We're going to catch up with the rest of the Atlantic teams right now. That's what's up. Philly's doing pretty good. They're doing work. We've been talking about this whole time, but they're doing work. Yeah, we t- we're going to talk about how good Philly is next week and the week after. And the week. So, like, who cares? I just really want to throw some shine on their support duo. Alarm is, it, as I've, I'm pretty sure I said this last year, but he's like a rookie in like his third year. Yeah. He's not. You've said it plenty of times. He's not a rookie. You know, he doesn't feel like a rookie player. He is an OG of the Overwatch scene. He just happened to be born a little later than everybody else. Mm-hmm. But he's an OG of the of, of this Overwatch scene, and he's coming into this league, and he's just playing perfect. He's dealing damage when he needs to. He's out playing Jonak, which oh is like, God. yo, shout out to him. That was insane. Some of the things that Alarm did this yeah. weekend. So yeah. Alarm is, and the weekend before, where you were like, oh. Yeah. So Alarm is a nutty player, but I think Funny Astro is the real surprise of this team. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the, this, this Brit just comes over, and... <laughs> And, you know, gets the start, right? And Funny Astro, at least from what I knew about him, you know, kind of from from, uh, Twitter, is that he's like what people would call a Reddit Lucio, (laughs) where he's just super aggro, trying to get kills, fuck my team, I need to get, I need to kill this Farah, right? And he was on Atlanta, but he didn't really ever get to play. Right. But... I was very much aware of his talent um, to be, you know, just this aggro support. And everybody has said good things about him, you know, just on Twitter and stuff. And so when, when he got the chance to play for Philly, I don't know exactly what I said during the preview. I'm pretty sure I said, like, Funny Astro's a dope-ass dude. But he is so perfect for this team because Philly's kind of thing for the past few weeks has just been, you know, you give an inch, we're going to take a mile. Yeah. Gonna, you, yes. you make a mistake, we're running we're you over. We're fucking you up. <laughs> um, and Sato has been benefiting from that. He's been leading the charge with that. But Funny Astro is like right next to Sato when it comes to just being aggro. Because Funny Astro is actively looking for picks. Mm-hmm. He's getting final blows. I'm pretty sure he leads in environmental kills. He's looking for these opportunities. And that sets him apart amongst many Lucios. Yes. Especially with a team with this aggressive play style. It's going to really set them apart because... Now you have to also deal with a Lucio flying at you. Literally. Yeah, instead of a dude like Animo, who I love, but Animo's not aggressive. He's learning to be aggressive, but it's not in his blood right now. Yeah. But funny Astro, it's in his blood to just wall ride across the map and just chase like a Moira down. Because it it works. Yes. And when you have a dude like Alarm, you can get away with that. Because Alarm is going to hold it down and most likely never make a mistake. So I can't, I can't wait to see Funny Alarm. Astro and Alarm know exactly how to use their cooldowns and together, when. Yeah. yeah. There were, when we were talking about, and we were doing our previews for the season, we said how every team, most every team, had the duo that you were like, you gotta look out for them. Yeah. Right. Obviously, this was that duo for yeah, Philly. This is a du- yeah, this is a badass duo. Yeah. And Poco. Um, I watched Dogman's analysis stream. And Dogman was just, like, raving about Poco. And you watch Poco play, and it's like, he's he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. For sure. Him as a player, 
since the uh, diva buff with the cooldown oh, has <laughs> been what he as a player needed. Because there is nothing better than him just being like, three seconds? Shit. I can use that, like... Just flying around and all. Yeah. I can use that to every advantage. She's the best diva... One of the best diva players right now in the league. I, I think he's the best. Like, right now? That right are, now? That are playing? Yeah. He's no. way better than everybody else. Yeah. Yes, that's fair. Nevix could never. No. <laughs> and Nevix is the GOAT. Like, yeah. And Nevix is the greatest player to yeah. ever live in so anything the, forever. And so Poco's out playing him, and Poco's probably a better fit than Fury is right now, so he's... Better than work. Fury, probably. As great as Poco is, damn, it sucks that Fury is not playing for my draft. Yeah, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. Yeah, have you looked at your points against me? Oh, hell yes, I have. It's 300. I have 169 points right now. Nathan has 339. It's like that, bro. <laughs> yeah. Me getting closer, though. All it's, he has is East Coast players. Yeah, you're You're, you're going to be benefiting. fucked. <laughs> <laughs> not until week eight. I know, right? Uh, but New York... I have two of them. <laughs> Lost. That's true. And then they like, didn't they like beat Boston or something? Like, they, you know, they did their thing. They yeah. beat, they beat a shitty team. Yeah. Uh, but I think New York is just in this weird position of flux, as I said earlier, where they're trying to be aggressive and be more proactive, but they just don't know how to do it yet. Mm -hmm. And they're still figuring things out. Uh, everybody's saying like, oh, why isn't Libero playing? Clearly, Libero isn't either he's sick or he's just not good enough right now. And they're trying out I've who heard, are you on May. I think I've heard that Libero is actually like under the weather. Yeah. Like right. actually under the weather. I wanted to point out that the difference between me and you is funny, but the difference between Xavier and the unsub who has 48 points. Yeah, well, to our team is all Pacific. Yeah. So, but, you know, the thing is. Sorry, go ahead, Libero. I don't Libero. think Libero, Libero is just people trying to make excuses like, wow, why is New York playing not that great? But they're playing not that great because they're incorporating Hoppa, who's super aggro, and is just like going around super crazy, super frenetic. And the rest of the team is trying to match that aggression, but they don't know what they're doing. There are many, there are a bunch of times during the Philly uh, Philly game where Jonak was just like way out of position, very uncharacteristic for him. But that's just the team figuring things out. I don't think they're concerned about week one through ten because they know they're gonna beat up on Paris. Boston, Florida, who the fuck cares else team. And they can use these first 10 weeks to figure out who are we as a team and what do we want to do? And then when hero pools come, they have the roster to make yeah. everything work. Yes, they do. I and think, so like, who cares? I think <laughs> it's very reminiscent of not saying that early Vancouver was bad, but early Vancouver coming into the league and playing against New York's and, Stuff they weren't as polished. They weren't as, they as polished. Where because because Bumper literally got the nickname he's a feeder, but then it disappeared once they all Figured got it into it. Mean so it's, Bumper's still a feeder, but go on. He's a pretty big dude. Yeah, <laughs> he eats a lot. Yeah, no, he he feeds animals. He's a good guy. Oh, I assume. Okay, I but you play into that. Maybe sure, but still it was that kind of thing where it was like, oh, Bumper. Like, they're not aggressive enough. And I feel like New York looks exactly the same as Vancouver did in the early stage last... Ooh, not as good. Just not as okay. polished. And not as, not nearly as... They don't look like they have the same potential yeah. that they do. Yeah. But fucking, come on. By week 10, we're going to be like, oh, New York, oh my god! Like Yeah, exactly. People trying to write off New York, like, shut the fuck up. Uh, <laughs> Always up in to the To be fair, by week shot. 10, we'll actually see, like, 
the other half yeah. of the league. But a week time there'll be like hero pools, so like Maze and be banned and shit. And who are you's gonna play Genji and be banned? Damn, it really sucks to be all those teams that don't get a chance to play that. Oh, speaking of Houston again. Speaking of Genji, not to just keep dunking on Houston, <laughs> but on Temple of Anubis, uh, it was one of like the the times they had to like cap point A and get point B, like after the other team capped, you know, whatever. And Blase was like trying to farm Blade, right? He's trying to get Dragon Blade. It was like the big moment, right? He's like, Blase's farming Dragon Blade. What's he gonna do with it? Blase gets Blade, <laughs> goes into the team, immediately gets iced by a brig. And it's like, this is Houston's season. This is Houston's season. This is the, their season in like a nutshell. <laughs> but Paris, that is not their season. Because Paris is actually pretty cool right now. They're three and one. Oh no, they're not three and one. They are two and one. The they seven and four map much. record. Yeah. Uh, Hanbin came in this week and was the player of the match that game. Yeah, sure. I do think whatever team is currently like their map record is in the fours seem to be doing pretty good. It doesn't matter that they've only won two out of their what three games, like that's 30, New York that's and what sixty percent. Yeah, like but also out of. The entire run of the season, it's like, okay, they haven't met up with everybody. They haven't gotten all their things, but it's like, Philly and New York, you expect that. Paris, you wouldn't expect out of the three games that they're actually having a winning mm -hmm. record. You would expect it kind of to be more flexed and not as good. So it's nice to hear that they're actually doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm excited. They look really nice. Uh, yes. What is it? Hype and Gray, their support line. Oh, has yeah. has been really good. I, I didn't talk about them at all during the season preview. Because we didn't know who yeah. they were. Ben Best is like, doing I. I feel like this is the redemption tour for tanks that everybody just shat on. Like, Ben Best is playing fine. Season three, Overwatch League, in a nutshell. The tanks that everybody shat on will get their moment this season. Yeah, and yet again, Nico, man. Uh, XE is really good, like, cool. Yeah, he, we don't need to say he more. He hits things accurately. Cool. But Nico, there were some times where I was watching his May and I was like, dude, you're doing some, like, real cool shit. Like, some of his walls to save his tanks, uh, just like his wall placements, uh, how he would do his blizzards, some of his accuracy with, uh, his, uh, right click. I thought Nico was clean as fuck as May. And I don't know how he's going to translate to hero pools, but right now, early in the season before hero pools come in, mm -hmm. I'm confident that he's just going to keep outplaying other, you know, fucking people. Next week, though, they do have a game against Atlanta, which is a hard-ass game. But they might catch Atlanta because Atlanta hasn't yeah, played it for sure. And so Paris is in the groove. Atlanta has to get in the groove. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that's where things can get weird. Uh... Houston is not in a groove there in a rut with an 0-4 record right now. 2-12-2 map record. Shanghai, you know, baby. You know, you know how we said... Shanghai 2, Electric Houston. I was move. wrong. About, I think I said Houston was going to be like an R8 team. No, I fucked it, up. So you, <laughs> if, I find, if I find the clip, I'll put it in of him saying that Houston's going to be a good team. But if I can't, he probably did say it. Listen, However... Someone knows where it is. I do know that... It's very interesting that we bring up like. We just need sound files of every claim Xavier makes to pull. <laughs> yeah, up I'll, later. I'll make that a different <laughs> the thing receipts. on the computer. I was right about the charge though. But let's. It's a fucking good team. It was yeah, way fair. before. It was when they're on their losing streak, and I was like, the charge are good. Okay. And they're good. You're right. That's fair. Well, we don't know yet. They could so be bad this Houston, season. 
Houston was that team that we mentioned and Dallas and the Texas teams in general where it was all like, you know, coming into week three, you don't want to see him 0-4. And here we are. Remember, I remember a time when I said, you know what, I like the Houston Outlaws. I don't think they're the better Texas team, but I like the Houston Outlaws. I know they're not the better Texas team, and I like the Dallas Fuel. That's all I'm saying. Everybody likes the Houston Outlaws. Again, that is kind of true. I'm, I, I mentioned this earlier. It doesn't matter where you are. If the Houston Outlaws are playing that weekend, there will be at least one fan in the crowd. It's the optic shit, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be fair... If you're a Paris fan, you drive 100 miles, you end up in, like, London. You're a Houston fan, you drive 100 miles, and you're still in fucking Texas. <laughs> you can't get away from them. Um, there is one thing, though. I I loved, I'm, I'm going to love talking crap about Houston. But I still don't think Houston is going to be... Like, dumpster? Yeah, like, I feel like they're going to kind of figure it out. I think that they're a team with a little bit too much pride, and, and real talent, too. I just think this early season is they're not prepared, they're sick, they fucking don't know what to do, and it's very clear. You're switching Rockus and Repel every other map this weekend for no apparent reason. All the analysts are sitting here like, why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. You have you have Dante in, and Dante's not, you know, really playing well, mm-hmm. but alright, whatever, you need Dante because you need like a fresh face. Linkser is MIA. And then you have Blase, who is not a fucking hitscan ki- player. Stuck on McCree. Du- this is like, this is like, what, what was it? Profit being stuck on Brig Duty? This is, Blase is not that level, but bruh. Blase, you said that I flashbacked yeah. 20 episodes. Blase is just fucking sitting on McCree, missing every shot. Yeah. I'm going home, firing up the replay viewer, and just watching Blase's point of view to be like, Homie. you need a hug, dog. Because he was really bad as McCree. He but played then, McCree worse than I do. But then he goes on, like, Doomfist. And it's like, wow. Oh, Anubis. That shit was That's wild. actually really good. Yeah. He plays Genji. Yeah, that blade sucked. But it's like, all right, dude. You're clearly more comfortable. And I think what Houston's issue is they're trying so hard to be slaves to the meta. Right. And just play this meta comp. They shouldn't do that. When, to be completely honest, just fucking play... What they're what good, at. You're good if, at. If you need to run Doomfist, Sombra, Dive, because that's what your team for works for, do it. You have Jexay, who looked really good this week. Jexay was trying to deadlift that team. He really he, was. I think he recorded a fled of deadlift as Lucio. Like, he was really trying hard. Uh, Mecco, he's going to find a stride. He's, he was a carry at some points in that game. Their DPS... Just let them play what they're good at. And I promise you the results will probably be better than having Blase whiff shots getting domed by fucking... Jerry. <laughs> yeah, getting domed by Jerry. Like, I just think that Houston is in a position, and as you said, a rut. They're in this meta rut where they're just grinding at the meta. Well, when they like, won... This isn't, this isn't your fucking game. This clearly isn't your game. When they won against San Francisco last season... It was, they stopped being playing the meta. They just didn't try to go for the meta. They just went for what they thought would, they thought they were good at. And I feel like it's just that thing where it's like, we've talked to, you've talked to the Cal Esports team. And they have players that would never play 
anything other than what they were good at. But then try to play what they're good at. Then try to go slave to the meta and you're like, well, we're not winning anything. Fuck it. Just go on Tracer then. Yeah. Toronto's fucking around with Dive. New York is messing around with Dive. There are teams trying new things. And Houston just trying to run this McCree May thing into the wall is not going to set you up for success. I mean, yo, my history teacher is constantly talking about setting yourself up for success. And Houston is not bringing their syllabus to class. They don't know the section number. They're forgetting their homework. Houston is a bad student right now. Really bad. And they need to just lean into their strengths, man, because I'm not saying they're going to take the lead by storm, but at least if you play what you are good at and work on that, shit, you might scare a team. Hero yeah. pools come in, they might do well, but even through hero pools, they're going to need to try and be unique. They're not going to just need to be like, yo, let's call up eight Overwatch teams be like, hey, what y'all playing? Mm -hmm. And then play that, because that's not going to fucking work. Mm -hmm. Play what you play. Another team that does play what they play and plays it very well is London. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. I like London. London. I like London. They're cool. Now, their record isn't great right now. They're going one and two. But that's, they're neat. But they're neat. And with a 4-8 map record. <laughs> so, 50-50 on the map wins. And... Almost dead even, as dead even as you can get, really, on their win-loss right now. If they somehow fucking tied an entire series, then be different. But you can't really do that. Um, but yeah, they're just they're just rolling through right now. You know, they, they're doing work. Uh, they weren't as much of an unknown quantity as some of the other teams we've been discussing. But at the same time, they <laughs> slaughtered the Washington Justice. Yeah, London is just a neat team. That I just like seeing just play. Uh, Sanguinar was a highlight, I think, uh, during that game. But in addition, like, they're bringing out dudes that I've never heard of, like Celestian. I don't know who the fuck that dude was, but he was playing for Bernard, and he looked really good. Highly looked pretty good. Glister is obviously very good. Shui. It's a bunch of players that I don't know, and I like the fact that I don't know them. Because when they play well, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. They're, you know, they're not a great team yet again, but unlike Houston, they're just a neat team to watch because they play with heart. They're clearly well coached. They're clearly um, a solid team with actually a lot of talent. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it takes a lot of heart and it takes a lot of guts to win that Washington game because we can talk about, oh, Washington, you know, blew it all we want, but London held that full hold. London wrote that momentum into Blizzard World. Mm -hmm. And London stuck it out after getting, you know, six-man shattered by Roar and almost losing. <laughs> like, they played with so much heart. And I like that, man. I That's like, very yeah, true. London is an optimistic team. And I think, you know, shit, in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about London a lot more. For sure. As we'll, we'll know their, their, their faces better. And... We'll start tying it to, like, that's that guy that did that to <laughs> to yeah. Houston like that. Yeah, but London, they're they're cool. I just, I, I, I really do want to see them play more. <laughs> they are the ones that did them dirty. London is the Valiant of the, <laughs> of the Atlantic Division. Like, the Valiant are a bunch of dudes that are just kind of like, okay, but they're better than some of their parts. London feels very much that way, where it's a lot of dudes that are okay, don't really have a name, but they are better than, than some, some of their of the parts. parts. Right. Mm -hmm. um, London follows the Rockley school of war, do them yeah. dirty in front of a squad. 
but next week, yes, next week, Houston is about to disappoint a couple thousand people yep. at their homestand. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> it's rough. So Houston uh, will face London on Saturday and Toronto on Sunday. So Houston. <sighs> See, I, I don't know. I, f- I feel it's, so it's stupid to just be like, oh, Houston's going to lose both games. Because I think they're for sure going to lose to Toronto. Toronto's going to come in and spank them. But when it comes to London, I don't think London is this, you know... Unstoppable, immovable force. force. Houston could very well come out, feel motivated, especially feel motivated after this week. I don't see how you don't come in to your homestand after losing horribly. And not to mention that Houston has, like, probably the strongest fan group. Yeah. Like, they're... There's some pride there. There's going to be a lot of... It's going to be loud. Oh, it's all Houston there. It's all Houston. And damn, do I feel sorry for Toronto and London having to walk out. They're going to get super booed. They're going to get massacred by the crowd. But Toronto's for sure better. But I think that London game is definitely a game to watch as... I would be afraid game. to show up in yeah, a jersey that's winnable. not Houston. And especially, it's one of those things where, like, if you lose to Houston now, like, it's a really bad look. Because Houston is dubbed the worst team in the league. So you can't lose Consistently. To yeah, there's some pressure there. Um, but I think this homestand's going to have a dope atmosphere. But sure. really what matters this weekend is Atlanta finally playing. I'm so excited. Some fucking Overwatch. I'm so excited. They face Toronto on Saturday, which is... Game of the week, and they play Paris on Sunday, which is also a very good game. Yeah, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm telling you, we we watch Dogman analyze things. I just want that energy. Like yeah. Atlanta has such a chaotic energy. They in have, like the, they have like Edison and fucking in the best way. They have like the like this energy where it's like like. I'm going to say full offense towards Toronto Defiant last year. Atlanta came in and did what Toronto Defiant's like intro video and them like just being like, here's our, here's who we're having on our team. Badass, dark as night, coming from Toronto. Atlanta had that vibe. Mm-hmm. Especially after Baby Bay came to the team. Even though he probably won't be seen as much, but. I'm shit, I don't know, man. He's probably going to see some time. I don't think... They might put him on, like... I don't think Erster and Edison is your only lineup ever. Yeah. And we've seen kind of some weird substitutions or people getting different looks. So, um, you know, shit. I mean, I don't see him not playing. I mean, we saw Tuba this week over Stratus. So, like, why can't we see Baby Bay? It's all Tuba's fault that they got full held on Dorado. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, no, Tuba's precious. Tuba's Uh, too good. Tuba's precious. Tuba's but is our Atlanta, little baby boy. Atlanta is something the league needs right now. Just this in, in, infusion of elite DPS talent. Right. Uh, great personalities. Um, hype coming in. For sure. It's something that we need. And and we're going to need a team that we can hopeful, hopefully look at and say, they could beat Philadelphia. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So then we at least have that battle going on, that conversation. Um, and it's nice Philly is only playing, I think, one game this week. And so Philly's taking a backseat. For sure. And it's going to be um, Atlanta at the forefront. It'll be a nice change of pace. And yeah. then we also have Florida uh, playing against the, the New York, York Excelsior. F- yeah. 
and they're getting dunked on. <laughs> and then London, who I think that's going to be a crazy game. You got Glister, Yaki, Sai player, some other DPS that London's going to play that's going to play really well. You got <laughs> like you got a lot of cool things happening. Uh-huh. And I just I don't know, man. I, I miss Florida. I feel like I was robbed of something that they didn't play last week. And they, for sure. Yeah, I, I like Florida. I, I like what I they do. got going they, on. They, they got some good stuff there going on. They got a, good points for my draft team. <laughs> there's a vibe that's happening with Florida where it's like they might actually have it, they're, but they're not like they it. might actually have it. They they kind of have it. They're like they, what Washington, they got something going on. They're what Washington wants to be right now, for sure. So I'm looking forward to the you know kind of uh, Florida matchup. Hopefully, I think Florida puts up a fight against New York. You know, with the way New York has been playing, it might be possible. But yet again. New York is going to beat up on the average teams because that's what New York does. That is the New York thing to do. One thing I would like to say before we conclude this uh, wonderful episode is, so we constantly talk shit about the production, but here's one thing that, I don't know, it's a consistent thing that bothers me that the Call of Duty League just does so well, and I barely watch Call of Duty League, um, but I keep up with it. And so I understand there are some logistical things, right? But, fuck it, you're, you're a sports league, like, come on. Alright, so, this was very evident in two portions. First, it was the whole Jerry thing. Mm-hmm. So Jerry's a meme right now, right? Jerry's adorable. Yes. Super teammate, him and Color Hex are like... BFFs. Yeah, they're like yeah. Corey Stratus level, right? And it became the social media thing where it's like, project, protect Jerry at all costs. Jerry is the right. greatest player of all time, blah, blah, blah. And so you have Custa on the pre-show, like going on and on about like how great Jerry is or whatever. And in my head, I'm thinking, all right, anybody that doesn't fucking follow Overwatch League all the time on social media has no, no idea, idea who what Jerry the fuck is, is going on. No idea what this meme is. And it gets lost and, and the fans aren't into it. And I think, you know, by the end of the game, you have the fans chanting, Jerry, 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 he played well. It's like, cool, it kind of all worked out, but they they still don't understand the full context of this Jerry thing. And another moment that I noticed was they had a video package on Mooma. You know, main tank for Houston Outlaws. And it was all about Mooma, but there wasn't a single moment where we heard Mooma's voice. It was all like clips of Mooma and people Mm -hmm. talking about Mooma, but there wasn't a single time that you heard Muma speak. You I didn't see him talk on just camera. Gasped. <laughs> I just had to get that out there. I audibly audibly went <gasps> And I think that's that's rough. Um video packages are so important. Uh I, I come from watching MMA and uh NFL and pro wrestling and video packages packages are so important because you need to tell these narratives. And especially mm-hmm. in American football, sorry. Uh, especially American football, you don't see these players' faces that much. They're wearing right. helmets. And so you need to have interviews and, and, and you know side content during the broadcast to show you, all right, these dudes have a face, they have a voice. And that's so important to building that connection. And I think the, one of the biggest barriers that I saw, especially this weekend, is you're showing us Muma highlights and why we should care about Muma. And Muma's a great personality, but have... Just a brief little interview of Muma sitting there and just being like, yeah, like, I'm the main tank for Houston Outlaws. Here's what we expect for this season. Mm-hmm. Like, watch out, everybody. Texas is about to run wild on y'all. Something like that. Like, he's not going to mm-hmm. say it like that, but 
that general vibe or have clips of the social media interactions of Jerry and whoever and have Color Hex talking about Jerry being his teammate. Have Jerry do a quick interview. And it's all very easy stuff to do. Um, and it makes everything so much better because you really get to see these people's personalities. Because you know, like, the players that we talk about all the time are players that get interviewed after the games. Yes. Because we see their face and their voices. But, you know, you're trying to get across Muma in a video package early in the early in a new season, mind you. You want to have him talking. Call of yeah. Duty League does that so well. Because I don't know who any of these motherfuckers are. <laughs> but before a game, they'll tell you, here's our cities. Here's him. Here's his teammates talking about him. But here's also our cities talking about himself. Right. Here's Analyst talking about him. Here's Simp. I, I, Shout out to Simp. But they have him talking, and you really get to feel a connection. It's like, I know that dude now. Right. And I like it. I feel like they're so focused in the wrong sport, spot, sport, spot to put their personalities. I feel like I know more about the desk, the analysts, the casters. Oh, for sure. And their personalities... Than, than I will ever get to know about anybody mm -hmm. else. I think I know more about Emily and Danny than I can tell you about Hoppa. Mm -hmm. Like, sure, we talk about Hoppa, but... We're more invested in Bread and Sideshow than yeah. <laughs> half the league. Yeah. And it's there when I'm like, this is where the problem comes from. Mm -hmm. Because... Yeah, sure, I know that Emily does cosplay and that she's a yoga person. I already I know that about her. I shouldn't have to know that about her. Yeah. She's just like she's just an interviewer. Yeah. But you do want to know about them. I mean, I do want to know about them. You need to put that effort I, into your players, too. I don't yeah. want to just be like... Because even when they would do this stuff with Malik, where it's like, hey, we're going to take these guys. They've never done yoga before. That's cool. This is That's like we're interacting. But then it was like, the first time we saw that, it was cool because it was just like Emily taking them for a walk. They went out shopping. I enjoyed that because it was about the players. And they're like, this is what we like to do. When we get the time off, we like to just hang out, go get food, go shopping. That was cool. But the time when they did the Malik one, I'm like, no offense to like Malik or any of that. But it was like, okay, hi, it's Malik here. I'm going to take these two LA dudes out. We're going to do some yoga. And then Emily was the yoga instructor. And now it's back to that. Okay. We're learning more about the caster. Here's this yeah. caster. She does yoga. Why the fuck should I care? I want to see these guys do this. Like, it's it's annoying where I'm like, and even they seemed uncomfortable where they're like, yeah. okay. And now you can't do any of the fun, like, outside stuff because the league is traveling. They're constantly traveling. Mm. But that doesn't mean fucking every, the NBA is constantly traveling. But they right. still get interviews with their... They still get, you know, side interviews with Giannis Antetokounmpo being like, hey, how do you feel about your MVP season? He's just like, yeah, like, I enjoy being the MVP. Cool. Right. And it doesn't have to be an interesting answer, but the fact that you get to see him, see his face and be like, damn. That's that I, guy. I hear that dude's voice now. Like, I could put a name to voice is very valuable because I don't know what Muma sounds like right now. I don't, I don't remember what he sounds like. I've watched his stream. I don't remember what he sounds like now. Yeah. I've Any watched, casual fan won't know. And I've that's watched important. plenty of like inner, like yeah. plenty of streams where it's like players that I, I would, I should know, but I'm also like, 
I haven't watched them in a while. So yeah. it's like, and Nathan was slandering Poco's name last week, but <laughs> this weekend, you know, Poco got another chance to interview. And this is just the thing. You, you put these players in front of the mic and just let them talk. You start to like, like I like Poco a lot more because after the New York game, he was like, just deadpan. Like, yeah, I thought they were going to be better. Thought they were going to improve. That shit was so funny. And listen, man, now I'm invested in Poco a little more. I have a sense of, like, his dry humor. I know what his voice sounds like. I'm like, damn, dog, I like you. I want to write about you. And so, <laughs> and so it's just, like, this interesting dynamic of kind of featuring players' personalities and stuff. Right. Which is kind of going to be a constant, um, like, a constant theme throughout the entire league is... How are we going to showcase these players, especially mm-hmm. these specific players? It, it was nice to see Poco actually. Like, that show was funny, man. It was funny as fuck. I, I'll I'll give that to him. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to take one quick second to remind you guys that you can follow us on Twitter or Instagram to see me slam Poco for no reason even more at Scrapyard Media, and of course find us anywhere you listen to podcasts, especially where you're listening right now at Scrapyard Media. I want to leave you guys with some food for thought. The name Cloud Bananas. Nine. Bananas. They're good for your brain. Go ahead. The name Cloud Nine has a very different reputation in Overwatch compared to League of Legends. I just think it's funny. Cloud Nine is a meme in Overwatch, but in League of Legends they're like undefeated right now. <laughs> yeah. It's it's just so funny to me. Yeah. It'd be like that. Tale of Two Hearts. Shout out to what, Charles Dickens? I Poe? Help me? I don't know. I can't. We're all, all outro. outro. <laughs>